0: The Tennis Gambling Podcast and Sports Gambling Podcast Network presented by WinBet. Bet $100 at WinBet and get a $100 free bet. Head over to SportsGamblingPodcast.com slash WinBet, that's SportsGamblingPodcast slash W-Y-N-N-B-E-T to claim your free bet today. And welcome, everybody, to the Tennis gambling Podcast. you on the Sports gambling Podcast Network. I'm your host, Scott Shell. And joining me for this episode is Nobody. It's going to be another solo episode. We got a couple of ATP tournaments to go through. We actually got three to go through on today's episodes, which should be exciting. But before we actually get into any of the breakdowns, I do want to recap what happened last week. I know we ended up only having one episode for the ATP tournament in Mets. It was the preview episode, unfortunately, after that. Sam and I had some scheduling conflicts, some Wi-Fi issues, and it didn't exactly work out. So as a result, we had to take a couple days off. But we're back here. But to go through the actual Mets tournament overall wasn't that great, unfortunately, because we had a very good chance to hit our biggest outright for a pre-tournament wager last week. And then Bublik made the final at 20 to 1, Sam and I both gave him out, thought that he could potentially be a sneaky candidate to win the event. Bublik made the final and then unfortunately ended up losing to Sunago uh straight sets, in straight sets uh 7-6, 6-2. Six, uh, six, so Bublik ended up losing. So rip up the outright. You probably could have hedged. I know Bublik was favor going into the final, so you could have hedged and probably made close to 10 to 1. But either way, Bublik did not get the job done for us. Got very, very close and then did not fully get there, which is unfortunate. As for my actual picks in the um, actual matches, ended up going 0-2 there. I ended up having Gascade win in three sets against team as my dog. And I think it was plus 350 and he lost in straight sets. Competitive, but still lost in straight sets. And for my lock, I ended up having a really bad beat. I ended up taking Bergs on the money line against Basilevili. Bergs was up a set and a break and then injured either his back or his hip while trying to serve. And he ended up having to retire mid-match. Now, it depends on what books you use. Some books grade retirement as a refund. The books I use personally graded them as losses. So either way, point is, ended up going 0-2. Bergs basically had the match in the bag, and the only thing that would beat us was an injury and he got hurt and had to withdraw. So, unfortunate there, a bit of bad luck there. I know Sam ended up going one and one He had Gasquet on the money line against team. Did not work out, but he did, ha- he did have a dog that won. He had Bonzi beating Umber in the first round, and Bonzi ended up winning. So, overall, not the greatest of episodes, but we had a 20-to-1 shot in the final, the two of us, and Bublik got very close but couldn't get it done. And that's kind of unfortunate. But hopefully some of you hedged. Hopefully some of you made profit. And we'll to get into the three tournaments for this upcoming week. Now, I know that they're underway. Still, not much has happened. A lot of the star players have had buys up to this point. So you haven't really missed any high-quality star-studded matchups. We're going to get to those probably in a couple of days. But still, time to actually get through the previews for each tournament. And then I'll get to the lock-in dog. I'll pick a match from... Any of the three tournaments, and I'll talk about my lock from one of the matches and then a dog from the other. You know the drill. But Before we get into any of the actual tournament previews, we're going to have a quick word from our sponsor. Thinking of joining WinBet, now is the perfect time, because new customers who bet $100 get a $100 free bet. Plus, the WinBet Casino is always open 24 hours a day, where you can get a 100% deposit bonus up to $1,000. WinBet is live in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, and Virginia. Plus, WinBet has their own same game parlay feature. Just click on the game that you like, select build your own bet, and start building a monster parlay. There's so much to choose from, and all you have to do is head over to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash winbet so they know we sent you that sportsgamblingpodcast slash W-Y-N-N-B-E-T to claim your free bet today. All for subject to change, terms and conditions at winbet.com, must be 21 or older and present in a state where playthrough winbet is available. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, call one 800 522 four47. If you're like me, and there's a foreign language that you regret not learning in school, it is never too late to start with Babbel. Babbel is the language learning app that sold more than 10 million subscriptions. Thanks to Babbel's addictively fun and easy bite-sized language lessons, you can finally cross-learning that new language off your list. With Babbel, you only need 10 minutes to complete a lesson and you can start having real-life conversations in a new language in as little as three weeks. Other languages are definitely extremely difficult to learn if you're not going to be using some type of platform and Babbel makes it as easy as possible to try to learn it in a relatively efficient way i've started to try to learn some french and so far it has been working out well for me still a work in progress but definitely getting there as we move forward with Babel though you can choose from 14 different languages including spanish french italian and german babble also has speech recognition technology to help you improve your pronunciation and accent there are so many ways to learn with Babbel. In addition to lessons, you can access podcasts, games, videos, stories, and even live classes. Plus, it comes with a 20-day money-back guarantee, and if you join right now, you can get up to 55% off your subscription when you go to babbel.com/sgp. That's babbel.com/sgp for up to 55% off your subscription. Babble language for life. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tennis Gambling Podcast. We just briefly recapped what happened last week. Now it's time to actually get into the three tournaments that are already underway. And you have one tournament in South Korea. You have one tournament in Bulgaria. And you have one tournament in Israel. So starting off in no particular order, we're going to start off with South Korea. And going through the actual live odds right now, you have Kasparud, who is the favorite at roughly plus 250. Fritz is at four to one, is at four to one, Brooksby's at six fifty, Shop of Olive is six fifty, and Nishioka is 10 to 1 or 12 to 1 if you shop around. Uh Kwan 16 to 1, McDonald 20 to 1. Then you have a couple of long shots, which I personally don't think have a chance. But the point is a lot of these tournaments I feel like are pretty top heavy in the sense that there are one or two players that are clearly better than the rest of the field. And you're assuming if Chalk's gonna hold, we're gonna talk about Tel Aviv. In a second, but Djokovic is in there, so he's obviously going to be a minus favorite. Still, the point is, I do think there are a couple of high, high quality players that stand above everyone else, and obviously they have the shortest odds. Rude had a shot to be the number one player in the world based on ranking if he ended up beating uh, Alcaraz in the U.S. Open final. He ended up falling short, lost in. Four, but he's still a top three player in the world ranking-wise. Nori is still a top 10 player in the world, and Fritz is top 15. So those are clearly the top three. Rude, we just saw, make the U.S. Open final. So we know that he is very solid on hardcourt. And Nori, we know, is definitely a solid player. The issue is he still lacks a lot of firepower. The movement's good. The consistency is good. He still can't really serve, and that's going to be a big reason why he struggles against top, top top-tier competition. I've mentioned that in the past. And Fritz is kind of the opposite of Nori. He has a lot of firepower. The issue is the consistency is never there, and he also has the occasional fitness issues. So I'm not picking Fritz. I think Fritz does have a lot of talent, but I've seen himself destruct too many times. He lost in the first round of the U.S. Open, for example. But Fritz is playing against McDonald off the bye uh, in the second round. I think McDonald's actually got a shot in that match. I think that McDonald can definitely create some issues for Fritz if he's able to keep the ball in play, make Fritz run a little bit side to side. I think Fritz will probably win, but I do think McDonald's not going to make it easy for him. And Fritz was gifted an easier draw since Kekmanovic ended up losing in the first round to a lucky loser. So his section got a little bit easier, but I just don't trust... Fritz enough to actually sustain a high level of tennis for about a week straight without some type of hiccup, and we've seen that in the past. So I'm not going to pick Fritz. Uh, if I had to go based on favorites, I will acknowledge that Nori's path is a little bit difficult. He has to end up basically playing against Brooksby. I'm assuming Brooksby's going to be Quan, but he'd have to play Brooksby in the third round and then potentially play against Shapovalov in the round after that. Not the easiest of paths. I think that is doable. I think it's doable, of course, but I have to at least point out that he does have a couple of difficult matchups. And I think Nori could, keyword could, lose one of those. And now to go through Rude's draw, his draw is not bad. I think it's a little bit easier than Nori's. He plays against Jari in the round of 16. I'm not concerned there at all. Jari's mostly a clay guy, but Rude's too consistent. I think that Jari's going to start spraying balls all over the court. Rude probably wins in straight sets there. Then I'm assuming he'll most likely face against face off against Nishioka in the quarters. Nishioka ended up having a nice win against Dan Evans in the first round. Kind of crazy. Nishioka, 6-0 lifetime against Dan Evans, which is one of the really, really odd head-to-head dominations on tour that people probably don't know about. But I'm assuming that Nishioka will probably play against Taro Daniel in a Japanese affair there in the round of 16. Nishioka is better than Daniel. I think Nishioka probably wins that one, might be close. But I'm going to go with Rude to get through there. I think Rude is just really way too talented. And then you're looking at probably Fritz in the semis if he gets that far. Maybe McDonald, if you think McDonald has a shot. But the point is, I do think that Rude's a better player than All the people in his immediate section and beyond by a pretty significant margin. Fritz, you can argue, is close. But once again, I do think Rude's a bad matchup for him because he does stand so far back on the court and Fritz does not exactly serve and volley that often. So I do think Rude could easily get in some breaks because Fritz won't capitalize on how far back Rude is standing on the court. Uh, But if you want to go with my pick for the tournament, I am going to go with Chalk. I will assume that Casper Rude's going to win. At plus two seventy five, I think it's a pretty good deal actually. He was the runner up in the U.S. Open uh, in the U.S. Open, and for him to win a hard court where his second best opponent or the second the highest level of competition he has is Cam Nori. I do think that's a pretty favorable odds there for Rude. I think Rude should probably be closer to around one fifty, maybe one seventy five, but two seventy five. You're getting roughly three to one. I think it's a pretty decent deal there. So I'm gonna I am i am going to go with Rude as the favorite uh, to get the job done. Now, as for long shots, I don't see many that are intriguing. I do see two that I think are interesting. One of them would actually play against rude relatively quickly. It would be Nishioka at 12 to one. We saw that he ended up making a final in uh, DC before losing to curious a couple of months ago. But the point is Nishioka is still a solid hardcore player. Keeps the ball in play very consistent. I do think he could wear some opponents down. And if he plays against rude, I do think you would see some long and grueling rallies and maybe Nishioka can do enough in the return games to get the job done. The issue is I do think rude has a significantly better serve than Nishioka. So I think rude would be able to manufacture some free points where Nishioka would basically have to, Have a long rally every time he serves because Rude's just going to hit every return over. Nishioka might have a couple of aces, not many. And I do think that you'll end up seeing Rude probably win. But Nishioka, 12 to 1, I do like him as a player. And the fact that he kind of broke through for an ATP final appearance a couple months ago suggests that he might be a little bit undervalued. I think he might be worth a look. And I don't think McDonald's going to get there. 20 to 1, I don't mind. But once again, he's playing Fritz immediately where you'd kind of wish he was playing against a top-20 player later on in the tournament because you might have some upsets and some things break in your favor. But his first match in this tournament uh, from this point forward would be against Fritz. He'd be a pretty decent dog in that one. I guess I'd lean to McDonald as a somewhat long shot of 20-1 to if you want to go really, you know, I'd say... I I can't say if you want to go off the reservation, but if you really want to try to find something. As you can tell, I'm grasping at straws. I really don't see much. So I think if I was going for any long shot of any kind, it would be Nishioka. But I am going to pick Nori to make a decent run, maybe get upset against Shapo. Fritz might get upset as well. I'll pick Rude to get the job done and to win this tournament as a plus 275 uh, favorite. Now, moving on to Bulgaria, we're going to move on to Sofia. And looking at this overall tournament, you do have a kind of similar story to what we just talked about. And that's kind of the ongoing trend with all three of these tournaments. You have one or two players that are significantly better than everyone else. And then you have uh, some other options later on in the tournament. But I do think that the back end of this tournament in Bulgaria is stronger than the back end of the South Korea tournament. You're looking at Taro Daniel and Jari and Munar and a lot of guys you don't exactly expect to have a shot to win a tournament. However, if you want to look at the back end here, you have, for example, you have Atta at 14 to 1. You have Rune, who is actually decent at 12 to 1. You have Sonigo, who just won a tournament. I think you got some options if you want to go for a little bit of a long shot. I don't think there's any super long shots. I'm not picking Verdasco or Lazarov, or Lahovich. I'm not picking any of these guys. But the point is, I think you understand where I'm coming from. I don't think that it's a foregone conclusion that you're going to end up seeing Sinner versus Krenya Busta in the final. I think that it's probably likely to happen, but I do think you could see a Cinderella run somewhere in the midst here. The third lowest odds for this event, Sinner's plus 200, Busta is plus 500. You have Dimitrov at 9-1, to and you have Avashka. At nine to one. Novashka's nine to one because he ended up beating Yemmer in the first round, a very competitive match. But since he beat a pretty tough opponent in the first round, I do think they are giving him some extra props because if you look at his immediate level of competition after that, he plays Dimitrov. So I find it fascinating that the two nine to one shots in this tournament play against each other in the next round, which I find kind of weird. I think Ivasa is going to win that match. I think that even though Dimitrov is the home country guy, which is why he's nine to one, there is no chance in hell on picking Dimitrov to win an ATP tournament. And I think that the odds alone are offensive. He's had fitness issues, had consistency issues. I've roasted Dimitrov in the past. I think he's one of the biggest underachievers in the modern era for tennis. And if you go through his results in his career, he really has not won many titles. I've mentioned it before, but I'll mention it again. In his entire career, Dimitrov has won a total of eight titles, which sounds you know pretty decent, except for the fact that he's basically been a top 10, top 20 guy for about a decade at this point. Dimitrov has not won a single singles tournament in the ATP level since 2017. 2018 onward, he's won zero titles. I am not picking him to win at nine to one. I don't care if it's his home country. There's no way he should be nine to one. I think that's a monumental waste of money. Avashka at nine to one. I think Avashka is a pretty good player. I think he could give Busta and Center problems. He did end up taking Center to five sets in the U.S. Open before eventually losing. So I know Avashka can match up against Center. But to go through some of the other options, Umber, I'm not picking. I know Umber just won a challenger event a little while ago. He lost to Bonzi in the first round in Mets. He's not consistent enough. I think 11-1 to 1 is extremely low for his odds. I don't think he's a great player. I think he's fine. But I'm not picking him 11-1. to Sonigo, I'm going to pass on. He had a phenomenal run to win a title. But... I wonder about fatigue. We talk about it all the time, Sam and I, about how players who go on really long runs, whether they win in the final or lose in the final, you tend to want to fade them immediately afterwards because you wonder what the stamina level is going to be. And usually they are overvalued. So I'm not picking Sonigo. Now, Rune is tempting because Rune has been a guy who was really starting off the hardcore season terribly and he was on a bit of a losing streak and a disappointing showing for the majority of this year, pretty much after his French Open run there. And I think he actually has some value in this overall tournament. I think that Rune, who looked very solid against Van Rithoven, won in straight sets, 7-6, 7-6. I'm looking through his overall region, and I do think he has a decent pass. Now, let's assume for a second that Avashka beats Dimitrov, because that's what I think is going to happen. You have Sonigo against Zapata Marias, And I'm assuming that Marias is going to win. Sonigo might withdraw. There's no guarantee he's going to stay in the tournament. So maybe you have a qualifier, a lucky loser. You get the idea filling in for him. But I do like what I've seen from Rune. And I think that he definitely has a lot of talent. He ended up losing to Bublik in three in the previous tournament. But I like what I've seen. And I think if you want to talk about comparing odds... Rune at 12-1, to 1. I like more than Sonigo, I like more than Umber, and I like more than Dimitrov. So I think you're adding a decent amount of value there at 12-1 to 1 for Rune. So I'll pick him as my medium long shot, so to speak. Atta, I think, is a solid player. I do have some questions if he'll be able to actually sustain a high level for a long period of time, especially facing off against Busta, most likely, in the third matchup. He ended up beating against he beat a qualifier in the first round. Madaris, he smacked him 163, 6 2 Now he's facing off against a player he should be favored by, by a decent amount. I do think that Busta is going to probably win that quarter. Husserl I think has got talent, but Busta I just think is a little bit too fundamentally sound and he's a good returner and an underrated server. So I do think that Atta could maybe push Busta to the brink but I don't think he's going to beat him. So I, I am going to lean to uh, Busta in that section. So Ata's kind of out for me, considering who has a shot here. Uh, Struf, no. Vukic, no. Baselashvili, hell no. Uh, yeah, that's kind of going to be it for the actual long shots here, so to speak. Lahovich, I like as a player, but at the end of the day, I don't think he's good enough to actually win a hardcore tournament against the likes of Sinner and Busta, etc. I just don't see that happening. Uh, his overall draw is not terrible, though. You're looking at uh, beating Stroof potentially, then Umber, and then most likely Musetti. It's doable. I'm not picking him to win, but 50 to 1, you know, I've seen worse 50 to 1 shots, at least considering the fact that his draw immediately is not that bad. But uh, I'm not going to pick Lahovich to win the tournament. So for the favorites, Sinner is the best player. The issue is Sinner still. Kana does things that Alcaraz does in two out of three sets. He kind of lets his opponents hang around, and occasionally he sprays the ball over the court. And I do think that Busta, in a head-to-head matchup, I think I'd probably pick Busta. I think Busta has enough veteran consistency and resolve to force Sinner into a bunch of mistakes, and I think that Busta could beat him. We saw Busta dominate against Sinner in the tournament that Busta ended up winning when he ran the table over there in Canada and he smacks Sinner. I, I think that Busta has a good shot there. I understand why Sinner's the favorite because his draw is probably a little bit uh, easier than Busta. You can make an argument, but I think it's definitely easier plays against Borges in the second round. Then either Vukic or Verdasco Baselashvili. I mean, wow, that's a throwback match, but the point is Sinner should easily cruise into basically the semis and they're pricing that in. Then he would probably play against either Rune, Avashka, maybe Dimitrov. So there, there is some competition there in the semis. But the fact that he should be gifted a spot in the semis is why he's the favorite. I'm not going to take center though, a 2-1. to one. I think those odds are a little bit too low. I am going to go with Busta. I think Busta should beat Hussler. He should beat Atta. And I look at the overall potential semifinal matchup, and you're looking at either Struf, Lahovich. Umber, or Musetti, I think Busta is a pretty hefty favorite in those matches, so I am going to go with Busta. I think that he's still a very, very solid player, especially on hard court, and I'll take him to win the tournament at 5-1. to one. And I'll also throw in a little sprinkle there on Rune at 12-1. to one. But moving on to the final ATP tournament that we're going to talk about on this episode, it's going to be in Israel. And first of all, I find it kind of fascinating that in the middle of of one of the biggest Jewish holidays of the year, the Jewish New Year. Uh, they're having a tournament in tennis, which I find kind of weird. But either way, uh, they're going to be having, uh, it already started, it's going to be ending on the 2nd of October. But so far in this tournament, you've seen some pretty entertaining three-set matches. You had Pospisil beating Sport in three you had the Rinderknecht match against Kopal, which was pretty entertaining. You had Echeverry, who ended up beating Karatsev in the first round there in three sets. Couple of really competitive matches. And if you look at the overall field, the overall field is not that bad. You're looking at some long shots, for example. If you want to back Dominic Team, he's eighteen to one. If you want to back Cressy, he's twenty eight to one. Cressy, we know, is a solid player. He could potentially do something. Manorino, twenty eight to one, he won a title. Uh, right before the U.S. Open. Uh, So the point is, there, there are some pretty nice prices for some guys who have actually won ATP events this year. The problem is, and the reason why the odds are so high, Djokovic showed up, and Djokovic is minus 200. I believe he's only playing in Israel because one of his friends and training partners recently retired. He was Israeli, and he retired, and I believe Djokovic decided to play in this event kind of on his behalf so to speak. I'm not sure if that's the official situation, but it's definitely like 70% right, what I just said. I might be missing some of the actual logistics, but Djokovic either way is here, and he is the favorite, and Zanschlup is the second favorite at 10-1. to I think that tells you all you need to know about this tournament. So even though you could argue if Djokovic loses, you might be able to pick out some value with Manorino, maybe Cressy, any of these guys at roughly 30-1, to the problem is Djokovic, I still think, is the best player in the world. And even though he did lose to Felix in the uh, the Laver Cup, I'm not concerned. Uh, at the end of the day, the Laver's is still basically an exhibition. And Felix ended up also beating Alcaraz. I don't know if that really means anything good for Felix, I guess. But since Djokovic is clearly head and shoulders better than everyone else here, I think he's going to win. And I know that it doesn't sound appealing to go on a podcast and give out a minus 200 favorite. But tell me, who do you think is going to be Djokovic? I just don't see anybody that's in his level or on his level. Chilich at 11-1, maybe if he serves well, but I doubt it. Korda can keep the ball in play, but he's too inconsistent with his strokes. I think that Djokovic is going to end up dominating this entire tournament. He might not drop a set. It wouldn't surprise me. Plays against either Montero or Andujar in the round of 16. I'm sure he's going to roll. Then either in Israeli qualifier or Pospisil in the quarters. Good luck with that one. Uh, Then you have either Schwarzman, Rinderknecht, or realistically Echeverry. I'll assume. I actually kind of like Rinderknecht in that match against Diego, but still. The point is Djokovic, his toughest opponent Potentially would be Schwartzman leading up to the semis. Yeah, I think Djokovic is gonna roll there. Then you end up having either like uh I mean a lot of the talents on the bottom half. I, it's really a, a difficult spot where you see the likes of Manorino and Wolf, and R- Wolf already lost to Rusevori, but you see Korda, you see uh Cressy, you see Zanschlup, you see Team, you see Chilich, and the problem is. All of those guys are in the other half. So Djokovic has to play one out of those X amount of guys while he's cruising through basically a free berth in the final. And I think as a result, I got to take Djokovic because I think that his level of competition is so much easier than the other half that I have to take advantage of it. And Chilich, I said, maybe could have a shot at 11 to one. He's playing Dominic team. Followed by Zanschlup in the next two rounds. I it's a very difficult path. Cressy plays against Korda, then probably Rusevori, but maybe Manorino. The point is it's tricky, but Djokovic's path is so much easier. And even though it's minus 200, I think it's actually a good deal because Djokovic should be basically minus seven, eight hundred in his immediate matches. If he ends up playing if he ends up playing against the Israeli qualifier in Lesham, he'll probably be like minus two thousand. So you could potentially get basically a free berth into the semis if he faces off against Lesham and Lesham ends up beating Pospisil, which is possible because Pospisil was a lucky loser. He's extremely consistent, good serve, though. So maybe you can find a way. But the point is, I'm going to take Djokovic. And for any long shots, I got none. I just think Djokovic is going to dominate. And it's also going to be his first competitive tournament since he was unable to participate in the U.S. Open. I'm not sure if he's going to be motivated or not. He is there because his friend retired. I'm curious if he's dedicating, put quotes around dedicating the tournament to his best friend, so we'll see. But either way, I'm going to take Djokovic to get the job done there at minus 200, and any long shots, I'm not interested. But either way, uh, to go through the outrights once again, I'm going to go with uh, Rude at plus 275 to win in South Korea, My somewhat long shot there will be Nishioka at 12 to 1. Then, looking at Bulgaria, I'm going to go with Krenya Busta at 5 to 1 to win the tournament. And my long shot's going to be Rune at 12 to 1. And then for Israel, I'm going with Djokovic at minus 200. And I have no long shot to speak of. I just think Djokovic rolls. But other than that, though, I'm going to get into a couple of match picks for the lock and dog segment. But before we do that, we're going to have a quick word from our sponsor. We're also brought to you by No House Advantage. No House Advantage is changing the game by offering the most dynamic fantasy sports platform available today. Play in pick'em contests versus other people for a shot at winning $250,000 in cash. Download the app, choose a contest, select your player props, earn points for correct picks, and climb the leaderboard for your shot to win big money every day. You can also test your skills versus the house and 20 times your entry if you hit all of your picks. Bet on up to five player props over-unders, or individual player matchups across every major sports league, including the NFL, the NBA, the MLB, PGA, MMA, and NASCAR. Make sure to check out Know House Advantage today and experience daily fantasy sports redefined because it's not just how you play, it's also where you play. And you don't want to miss out on this. Sign up with promo code SGPN, at nohouseadvantage.com, or download the app to get a first deposit match up to $25. We're also brought to you by Promoguy.us. Promoguy.us is the best place to go if you're interested in plus EV betting strategies. They've got daily updates on odds boosts and huge cash bonuses from all the major sportsbooks. And they've got a VIP Discord group that puts even deeper plus EV analytics right at your fingertips. I gotta say, we've been looking at their daily promo updates and they are some of the most informative in the game. They don't simply tell you what team is expected to win. They also tell you where you can get the best odds and how to track down and cash in big on constantly changing promotions. If you're not already using mathematical models to help you with your picks, you are missing out on an insanely valuable tool. And the best part of all is that PromoGuy is run by a small team of passionate sports fans dedicated on building a well-informed, better betting community. Go to promoguy.us and check out their 100% tracked, transparent, and proven methods for betting smarter. So make sure you check out Promo Guy. US. We're also brought to you by OddsTrader. What is OddsTrader? It's a place where you can compare odds from all the major sports books in one convenient location. You can compare the different sign-up codes and promotions from sports books to get the best deal. The app also gives you player statistics, key game stats, injury reports, and projected game day weather for bettors to make the most informed bets possible. It also has a bet tracker so bettors can keep track of their records on all the games and their betting activity go to oddstrader.com slash blue wire and oddstrader the number one site for all of your game day bets we're also brought to you by the elias game plan app did you know that the best day of the week is actually monday and thursday and Sunday because it's NFL season and it's our favorite time of the year and whether you're at the fantasy leagues, betting on your team or you just want to talk about some highlights around the water cooler at work, the NFL season just got a lot better thanks to the Elias Game Plan app, the ultimate sports betting and fantasy companion for the NFL the NBA and the MLB. The Elias Game Plan app is the only sports app from the most trusted name in sports stats, the Elias Sports Bureau the official statisticians of US Pro Sports Leagues. Elias Game Plan is of information and insights provided from their renowned research team which means they constantly give you information that is up to date and that you can trust the app gives you everything you need to get a competitive edge whether it involves head-to-head team comparisons ahead of their matchups along with elias key insights from the elias statisticians including injury impact analysis or they also give you expert game analysis which can give you the advantage in betting picking your fantasy lineups and showing off your sports knowledge and Elias game plan also is releasing new features all the time including a chat function so you can actually chat directly with their researchers and the Elias game plan app has been very useful for me when it comes down to the NFL season and trying to track down all of the injuries. It's always tricky trying to navigate through the injury reports. Everyone's listed as questionable. You never actually know who's gonna play, but Elias can easily help organize all of the injury information in one convenient location to help you with anything betting or fantasy related for the NFL. And if you want to elevate your NFL season today, Download the Elias Game Plan app. That's E L I A S. And they also have a very special deal right now when you subscribe. Get 15% off your annual subscription, but only if you use the promo code SGPN15. Find the Elias Game Plan sports betting in the App Store or Play Store today and use the promo code SGPN15. We're also brought to you by Fubo TV. If you watch football, you need Fubo TV. FuboTV gives you complete coverage of college and pro football with NFL Red Zone plus games in 4K at no extra charge. Over 100 channels of live sports and entertainment for a fraction of the price of cable. Watch on all your devices and never miss a game again or one of your favorite episodes from your favorite TV shows with the included cloud-based DVR. Plus, there's no contract, no commitment, and you can cancel at any time. Right now, you can try FUBO TV free for seven days and get 15% off your first month. Just go to fubotv.com SGP. That's F-U-B-O-T-V dot S-G-P. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tennis Gambling Podcast. Before we went on a break, we previewed all three of the ATP tournaments taking place this week. Now it's time to get into the actual matches for the lock and dog segment. And for the actual lock, I'm going to go with an underdog in this one. I'm going to take Lazarov in his match against Musetti, and I'm going to go with Lazarov plus four games at minus 115. At the end of the day, Musetti, I get why he's favored. Lazarov is basically ranked in the 300s ATP-wise. However, he is a hometown guy. He is from Bulgaria, so he does have a home crowd advantage. And Musetti, I don't think, is the greatest hardcore player. He's got a one-handed back end, which is nice. However, it kind of short circuits from time to time. Musetti has not played a match in this tournament yet. He had a bye in the first round, lost to Korda in the first round of Mets, And he had a couple of Davis Cup matches before that. But the point is, I do think that Lazarov is good enough to hang around against Musetti. He already won a match. He beat in straight sets in the first round. He's got the crowd behind him. Uh, I just think that at the end of the day, four is a few too many games for Musetti, especially since he's not the greatest server on tour. It's one thing if Musetti was guaranteed to hold at roughly like an 80 or 90% clip in this match. There's no guarantee that's going to be the case because Musetti has really never been known for being a great server. And even in that insane match that he had in the U.S. Open against Goffin, they broke each other almost every time. The problem is that Musetti isn't a good server. He's still a solid, solid overall player. But I have to at least acknowledge that the unforced error count can be a little bit high, and he doesn't really serve that well. And to go through the actual numbers here... He got broken eight times against Gullfin. Now that did go to five sets, but the point is he is not a great server. I do think that Lazarov, with the crowd behind him, should be able to make this a match. It might go three. We've seen Musetti kind of struggle to close out sets from time to time, but I do think plus four is a solid deal. I'll take that with Lazarov to get the job done, and that plus four is at minus 115. And Now moving on to my dog, it's going to be a guy who has been around for a really, really long time. And we're going to fade somebody that actually burned us in the last episode. We're going to take Verdasco on the money line against Baselashvili. And that payout is roughly, it's roughly plus 118. I'm going to take that. uh was gifted a win because his opponent got hurt. Then he ended up losing in straight sets to render connection the match after that. But I mentioned it in the previous video. I'll go through it, a pre- previous podcast episode. I'll go through it again. But to go through Basil last couple of matches in singles. So he ended up winning against Bergs despite not actually winning a set. He was down a set and a break. The other guy retired. So lost in straight sets to Rinderknich, lost a set to Bergs, down a set and a break. Uh, lost in straight sets in the US Open, lost in straight sets in Winston-Salem, lost in straight sets to McDonald. Lost in straight sets to Karatsev. Lost in a set and a half. He retired against Gaston in Bastad. To go beyond that, lost in straight sets to Van Rithaven. And he won the previous two rounds there in Wimbledon. So to go through a singles in order, that is 0-1, 0-2, 0-3, 0-4, 0-5, 0-6, 0-7. He's one in seven in his last eight singles matches. And the only win he has, he didn't even win a set. In fact, he's lost in straight sets in seven of his last eight singles matches. And the one exception, he was down a set and a break. And I think that even though Verdasco is older, and Verdasco is definitely not the same guy he used to be, he still keeps the ball in play. He's still very, very annoying to play against. And Baseloshevili mentally, I think, is definitely not worthy of being a huge favorite here. I'm not saying that minus 140 is basically a huge favorite, but I do think it's worth pointing out that for a guy who is one in seven in his last eight singles matches on tour, laying 140, there's no chance I'm taking that. I'm going to go with the dog here. I think Verdasco is crafty enough to make really work for it. And we've seen really quit when he has to work for it. Give me Verdasco on the money line at plus 118. But that's been this episode of the Tennis Scaling Podcast. We'll be back later on in the week. I'm sure Sam will join me to go through these three tournaments and what exactly we've seen up uh, moving forward. We'll go through some matches as well, maybe some updated futures. But until next time, good luck to all of you and all of your bets. Bye, everyone.